The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. It sure is the Afternoon News, the Friday edition with Jaylen and Andrew. Was this not the longest week No, it's actually ever. been an hour. Really? Yeah, really has felt like that. I know I started the show oh, yesterday. Oh, I think probably because you've been sick all week. I've been That's sick. I've been getting much sleep. I thought I had recovered. It sounds like you mentioned to me earlier. Sounds like it's breaking up because I was yeah. coughing and sneezing, yeah. and everything seems to be uh, leaving my body. I didn't cough from the time I left here last night till the time I laid my head on the pillow next to my wife, and then suddenly started out. coughing fit all night. Yeah, well, yeah, oftentimes that happens kind of when you lay down, from what I understand, like the nasal drip and the tickling yeah. on your throat, all of that sort of stuff. It's, I really uh, just, I have no shows this weekend. The festival's taking care of itself. There's nothing I need to do with radio. Oh, well, then good, chill out. I would like that. I would like to, I don't know if that's allowed. Uh, I've never tried it before, but I would like to just get in pajamas and stay in bed. Then do it. See what? Well, see. I don't like. I don't. I'm not in management. I don't. I don't know how. <laughs> nice try, buddy. I'm sure, that's possible. Yeah, yeah whatever, <laughs> whatever. Maddie's gone for the weekend. Maybe I could just go uh, camp out in her room. Well, that you could, could be do the that. Sick room, or you could put Carol in Maddie's room. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you newbie. See how that works. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. I've never been a wife. Hey, uh, no, you've never been a husband. I was under cold medication when I blurted out the other day, you've never been a wife, but I meant you've never been a husband, so please don't hold that against me. It's all right, my friend. Okay. It's all right. Um, You know, it's Friday, and we usually have a little bit of fun on Friday, but but there's a couple of stories, Mm -hmm. and one of which was suggested to us by a listener yesterday. You said you'd already seen the story, but I have not. Yeah, I was going to save it till today, and here it is. And I just, I didn't want to get into it without having uh, read the story, but it's about this mother of an eight-year-old boy out in Toronto or a Toronto area. And uh, she's upset. She's upset with the school. So uh, she says her eight-year-old is, um, he's a runner, she describes him. He's got uh, he's some... special needs. Yeah, he's got some yeah. behavioral problems. Yeah. He was uh, sent to school, uh, and on his first day of school, um, he started running. So mm-hmm. he was hard to contain. Kind of got uh, in an argument with another student about who yeah. should be using a computer, and he got upset, and he took off. So he took off. And there's a favorite place he likes to go, which is off school grounds. It's a pond. So I think he was probably headed there or headed there. And the school was trying to, you know, staff were trying to contain him. They phoned mom to say that there was a problem, a behavioral problem with the child, which, you know, the mom sort of says, well, that shouldn't have come as a surprise to them because I told them when I enrolled him that he has this behavioral issue. Well, what ended up happening was she has a full-time job with Canada Post, so she wasn't able to get back to the school in time to deal with the problem. She sent her daughter. By the time her daughter got to the school, her eight-year-old son was no longer on Mm -hmm. school grounds. They had transported him him to hospital. Yeah, well, they had called the police, and the yeah. police came and got him. They, they put him decision. in the back of a cruiser. Right. And, and you know, I, I know I've seen this uh, kind of, not this specific story, because it's so unusual, but I've seen this sort of thing before where you've got an individual, and we rely on the police to make that sort of triage decision on the spot that this is a behavioral problem, a medical emergency, a criminal activity, whatever. Is he going to hurt himself? Is right. he going to hurt somebody else? What's in the best interest? Who do we take him to? So police transport him to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Now, mom catches up uh, with the boy, her son, at the hospital, but before she's allowed to see him, she's informed that he's been given a a sedative. Mm -hmm. Now, it turns out that the hospital, in an effort to contain 
him and prevent him from hurting himself, used restraints. So mm-hmm. they, they strapped his ankle, strapped his arms down, gave him the set, sedative. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess, in a nutshell, she's livid that the hospital went ahead and did that, both restrained her child and administered a drug without her permission. And I guess the hospital's official uh, position is that they have to assess um, the danger to the child and to medical staff, Mm -hmm. and they have to make a decision. They can't always wait for the parent. Yeah. They said that restraints, quote, are used in extreme situations as short-term intervention to protect a patient. They said no one wants to use restraints. It's a last measure and done only in dire situations deemed as emergency. An emergency situation or concern for our patient determines how long a restraint is used. Now, the other mom says what her son did didn't warrant the restraints. Right. So on the surface, that's those are the facts. Well, and here's the thing. Yeah. And I'm sorry if you if you mentioned this. Uh, Mom said, you know what? She was told that uh, her son was kicking, screaming, yelling. And she considers that a tantrum. Right. Not an emergency. Yeah. Now, she'd be, of course, and I don't want to pass judgment just yet, but she'd be more accustomed. That's right. Sure. To witnessing that than would be the schools and and particularly on the first day of school. Mm -hmm. They've never met this child before. The only other thing I wanted to throw out there, um, so that we have all the facts on the table, is that her son actually does require a special needs type of uh, school or institution, but she's on a wait list for Mm -hmm. that. So her point is both that the school didn't act appropriately, but also that the situation wouldn't have uh, arisen at all had there not been such long lineups and waiting lists Mm -hmm. to get into these special uh, institutions or schools. So she's also written her uh, MLA or whatever they call it out there, MPP, I think they call it, um, to say that something has to be done to reduce these waiting lists. Okay, so that fact's important only because it sort of negates my argument when I first read this story. And it, it's, it, I'm just going to go ahead and be heartless and say, so why is it the school's problem? If you know, th- this is a child who is disruptive and who they are not trained to handle and who the parent realizes, knows when she enrolls the child that uh-huh. there's likely, there's a likelihood that this sort of thing will happen. And, and as I say, the mother even said to the school, look, he likes to run. So, you know, when he gets upset, he runs. So she knew, I mean, that's not much training for the staff, right? To say, oh, by the way, my child likes to run. Um, that's that's not very, uh-huh. you know, I don't know what. So it sort of becomes, because their province can't get him into the school he should be in, it becomes yeah. the school's problem. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I feel for a lot of people in, 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 uh, in this story. I feel for mom because um, she doesn't have um, the, the type of school or support that she needs for her son. I feel for the boy who's not getting um, the school situation that he should probably have or have a, an assistant because oftentimes, you know, you'll see they'll have um, uh, teacher's assistants, that sort of stuff, working yep. with different kids. He doesn't have that. The school, obviously, um, maybe not um, properly trained on how to deal with a situation like this but number one I do have to say that if a kid goes missing off school grounds number one if it was my kid and a kid took off went missing I would want them to call the police mm-hmm. um, even though mom said he'll he's likely gone to the pond if a kid goes missing out of a school I think it is a duty of the school to call police to, uh, to, to, to try to find the kid uh, absolutely so when it gets to the hospital point it is not 
my decision. I am going to trust that the nurses, the doctors, the emergency room staff are best trained in how to handle a situation like that. And again, while mom may think that this was just a tantrum, something that she's used to, I would suggest that 99% of uh, the folks around are not used right. to it. Now, maybe better training is needed for those people and how to de-escalate situations like that. But... I, yeah, I don't... I, he is eight years old. He's eight years old. I have a problem just agreeing with that last statement because it's it's an, it's a bigger conversation about mental health. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, um, and we've had this conversation, and I know Ryan's had it on his show, and I, I know I've heard Chief Connect talk about how the police become mental health workers, right? They're not specifically trained for that, but they're making assessments, mm-hmm. and, and it's because... They are police, fire, right? Nurse, nurses, doctors, exactly. absolutely. So, and and all of this is, and you know, in this case, the teachers have to uh, handle this eight-year-old boy that they're not trained to handle, and you know, then the hospital has to handle this eight-year-old boy that they're maybe not specifically trained to handle, and that at the core of all of this is that he's not getting the help he actually needs. So the the root of the problem is a mental health issue or the access to uh, the support that this mom needs. But but given that that is the situation, and it's unfortunate that it is, but it is, given that that, that is the situation, does that now make it the school, the police, and the hospital's problem, or is it back to being mom's problem? Like, should mom have to have somebody with them at school, or should she be with them at school, or should he be on some program of medication that allows him not to throw those or doesn't allow them. I don't know what the answer to any of that is. I just find so this, you know, when you say that they're maybe not properly trained at the school or, or so now everybody at the school has got to go through training because this child is on a wait list for an institution that can handle it. Well, let's be real. There are special needs kids in every sure. school, in every, in public schools, you name it, um, that, that you know, uh, because there are not, they, they're integrating special needs kids yeah, yeah. into school. And, and, that, and that's part of the rules. That's sure. just part of the rules. That's which the way I think it is. is. Great, which I think is absolutely so great. So if you're going to do that, I think you need to have the staff trained in how to handle situations just in case. Sure. And I would say the difference, though, is in my mind and, and all my kids, you know, I've got older kids, I've got younger kids. So things change between the time that the older kids graduated from high school and the younger. Um, where during the graduation ceremony, I saw how many mm-hmm. special needs children were uh, w- w- in the class, and I think it's great for them. But what the students would have to do is they would have to step up and and help, you know, fundraise to build a ramp, or they'd have to, uh, you know, help somebody get their books out of the locker, or just jobs that they were able to do that you don't need training for. But how does everybody handle? Because, I mean, if, if we had that eight-year-old boy in studio to talk mm-hmm. to him and get his perspective on what happened, and suddenly he started throwing a fit and knocking mics around, are we... We don't know how to handle right. it. Right. And I'm, and I'm, you know, I guess I'm just saying but that, if school, to, to say if, that everybody has to be trained to deal with this child. But it's not just one child, Andrew. That's the right. thing. It's not just one child. And if, if you're place of where you work, if you work at a school and your job is to teach, 
take care of mm-hmm. and protect children while they are in that environment, um, I think it would be prudent to have some training in maybe de-escalation okay. techniques. Yep. And, and you know yep. what? Here's the thing. They might not work. They might work on one kid, not all 10 kids. Right. So you're taking a chance, but having basic ideas of who to call, what to do, that sort of thing. So I got a compromise for you mm-hmm. because the mom's saying, I, I don't know why they were surprised. I told him that he throws fits or he likes to run, right? So is that where the breakdown was? And again, given that he is on a wait list to get to the institution uh-huh. that can handle him, on the day in which she enrolled that child, should she on that day have sat down with uh, the principal, the vice principal, the guidance counselor, whoever, and said, okay, so here's what we're going to be dealing with. How are we going to deal with it? Yeah, and I would have hoped that she had done so. Unfortunately, she's saying what she she said. Well, you know, from what she said, I mean, we're reading news articles, we're not talking to her, and the the school won't comment on it. Right. So we don't know, but I suspect that there are all sorts of parents out there uh, because we know um, the cases of um, learning disabilities, learning challenges, things like Asperger's, autism, um, which are on a on a whole spectrum yep. and just can um, can show up in many different ways. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those. How how do you handle all of them? I, I don't think that there is a. a, 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 a a magic answer, magic wand to say, okay, well, if you have a kid like this, this is how you deal with them. There's not, because even at that special needs school, all of those kids, um, you know, you might have two autistic kids, but the, the, they're, 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 um, the way that they behave, the way that they communicate, the way that they think are completely different, even though they fall under, let's say, autism. Right. See, that's, you know, that's what I keep coming back to is that I see it as, I don't want to say that it's, you know, a problem child, it's a challenged child, right? Uh-huh. But that challenge was passed. Mom passed it to the school, who passed it to the police, who passed it to the hospital, uh-huh. uh, and who, you know, gave them a sedative because as medical professionals, they felt that was the correct right course of do. action. Uh-huh. So I'm not, I, I just feel like I, I have very, I have a lot of sympathy for the mom and, you know, I'm blessed that my children don't have uh, issues like this, and I, I, I don't know how I would get through life if they did. I, but for her to be mad at the hospital, um, I think is unfair because it all started as a result of him being put into a school that wasn't capable yeah. of handling the problem. Yeah. A- again, I think I could probably see why mom's upset because in her mind, restraints and a sedative yeah. are going too far because she deals with him on a regular basis. Yeah. The police officers and those doctors and nurses at the hospital that day do not. Um, I don't know. Um, you know, I have, I have a cousin who has severe cerebral palsy um, very difficult communicating. Um, he, we've tried in Ontario to find a spot, you know, for schooling and all of that, to put him in a place where could teach him basic things like how to wipe his backside or how to mm-hmm. make a piece of toast right. or how to pour a glass of milk. So living skills. Living skills. But there are no places like that anymore. They don't they don't do that anymore with kids who have who fall under these um, medical issues. So it has been, you know, caretakers at home, um, mom taking care of it, his older sister taking care of things, dad taking care of things. It does. It, it oftentimes falls on the parents because the services just aren't there. Hmm. Um, the services just aren't there for Avery. And Avery has turned into now a, a 22-year-old, 6'2 man who still 
cannot communicate, has massive difficulties walking and, and moving his arms and all of that sort of cerebral, severe cerebral palsy. Um, he's not in a wheelchair, but he's also very strong. Hmm. And when he gets angry, um, his grandmother took care of him for a long time and would start to push. Well, grandma's five feet tall and 100 pounds. What do you do? But that's the situation that a lot of families find themselves in, is not having the support they need um, with facilities, with a place to um, have the kids go to for a day. So you know what? We put them, and, and oftentimes it works well. It works well for the kids, works well for the other kids uh, who are there. But when you have such, you have to figure out how to deal with it. So, if we're going to integrate, if this yes. is what we want, we have to make sure we ha- know you how to handle it. We have to be able it. to do it. Yeah. We have to do it so properly. So should mom be angry at? I think, well, I think mom should be um, probably angry that the, the funding isn't there for the um, services or the um, assistance, the TAs, whatever that are needed in the schools. That she's on a waiting list uh, for four months, a year to get her kid into a to a to a school that can help him. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge. I, I can't even imagine it. I've witnessed it with Avery, and just there there's nothing. What do we do? What do we do? Avery is 22 years old and wears diapers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, think about that. Christmas time, you know, you know, what do you do? Put them in front of the television give, to, to give you a half an hour break. And I know that sounds awful, but oftentimes that, that would end up happening. It's a, that's, that's a lifetime. That's not, you know, your kids get out of the house when they're 20, 21 years old. That's a lifetime. My dad used to work at a facility, Prince Edward Heights in Picton, Ontario, where when children were born developmentally delayed or with Down syndrome and that sort of stuff, they would put them in institutions. We as a country and we as people warehouse them. them. And we said, that's not the way that we should do this. We can do better, but obviously we're not doing better. That's the the point right there. If you want to integrate all of these individuals into society, you have to have the ability to follow through and do it. We need to do it better. Right. Thanks for all your texts coming in at 630-630. You can call us at 496-0063, just like Shane did. Hi, Shane. We have about 90 seconds. What's on your mind? Oh, hi. Hi. Uh, first time calling in. Uh, well, thank so, you very um, much. Yeah, I uh, wish you guys all the time. Um, yeah, I feel I feel really bad for the uh, lady down there, down east. Um, uh, uh, like, my son has autism, and uh, it's, it's very challenging. Um, if my son had run away from school like that, I, I would be very grateful that the police or somebody would, would find him. Um, not not too sure if I would be along with um, them like restraining him mm-hmm. and, um, and uh, sedating him without permission though so um, but yeah it, it's really it's really tough like I'm, I'm, we're fortunate that uh, we live in uh, Alberta has a lot of supports for autism especially in Edmonton and not so much other provinces so I feel really bad for her but, uh, Shane but, could more be done for for kids like uh, yours and for families uh, like yours in Alberta you said it's pretty good programs but could more be done um, there, there is a lot of supports, um, even government supports, it's okay, yeah, a lot could be, a lot more could be done on the provincial government level with, with supports, the funding, but, uh, and, but the school supports are, are pretty good, they're getting better, but they're there could getting be some better. improvement, yeah. Shane, thank you for calling in, and thank yeah, you for listening. That. Yeah, no worries, thanks guys, take care. Take you care, too. it's 229.
And welcome back to the 6.30 Ched Afternoon Vancouver. News. Vancouver. We'll be off the air at 5.30 tonight to make way for the pregame show as the Edmonton Oilers host. Or are they in Vancouver? Uh, I think they might be hosting. I'll confirm that for you. No, we're hosting. We're hosting. There you go. Uh, We've been talking about um, this mom in the Toronto area whose eight-year-old child has uh, mental health issues, uh, threw a fit, um, ran away from the school, was transported by police to uh, a hospital where he was restrained and a sedative was administered. And that got into a bigger conversation about dealing with... um, you know, children who have special needs and whether or not this idea of, uh, you know, completely including them into a school system is viable if all the resources are not there. I think that's where we kind of left the conversation. And some of these, some of these texts are incredible. Uh, This one, if I was the kid's teacher, I would expect his mother to tell me that he has these fits simply because I don't Mm -hmm. know this kid. His mother knows what kind of things trigger his running what things soothe him, and simply that he does have this trouble. That, I believe, is a parent's job. This one, when you have children, you make a commitment, and it's a lifetime commitment. If by luck of the draw you are born with a child with severe disabilities, it is still your responsibility to look after that child and provide for them. I am the mother of a child with severe disabilities, and I get no help. I get no respite from my family, and I have never had and I have had to do this on our own. I have never looked for help from outside, as this is what I have been given, and this is my lot for in my lot in life. Now, you could look, let's, you know, there there are resources out there, and this is this parent's decision to do it this way. Well, I think she was left with that decision because she couldn't get the child into the facility that she wanted mm-hmm. to. And that's why, you, you know, when you said earlier, and I didn't mean to snap at you, but you said um, that, you know, that the... the Children or that the uh, parent or the teacher, sorry, in the school should receive training if we're going to integrate students like this. But I, but I thought to myself, well, if the facility that's set up to take these students doesn't have enough funding to train enough staff to uh, handle all the demand, then how? Where's the money coming from for that? Where's the money going to come from to train well, and, every teacher? And then the other thing, well. <laughs> If the facility that is specific to these children, uh, special needs children, is over uh, is booked, there's a waiting list, yeah. then even more so, we need to make sure that teachers in these other schools, even more so, have some sort of training. Where's the money? I get that. Yeah. But even more so, if we if we can't get those kids um, in in the school like this, Mom, yep. then, then we need to. So I guess if you're the Minister of Education, though, in the province of Ontario, and you say, well, I've got, you know, I need mm-hmm. $50 million. I can spend that on expanding the ability of mm-hmm. the institution set up for it to accept these children, or I can spend that on training every other teacher how to deal with this. Or you fight for both. Or you turn around and say, we need more money for this. This is the way, look at the waiting list. Look at the challenges. This is what we need. And hey, I'm not a politician, don't want to be a politician, but I'm guessing um, that they'd be briefed on, they would know these things and they would have to start to fight for it. But how do you have to the pushback from the parents has got to be huge. They have to know, but but again, or have to tell, but as Minister of Education, you should be aware of these situations as well, shouldn't you? Absolutely. Hi, Mary. Hi, how are you? Good. What's your story, Mary? Okay, so my story is long. It's like 27 years long, but uh, hmm. so I've, I dealt with them. 
the education system for the first 12 years. Uh, the first six years, I, I, first three years, I really advocated for my son to be in a program of choice. I lived in the wrong neighborhood. That took a two-year fight because putting my son in a, in a mainstream classroom with 30 other kids, it wasn't going to work. I could tell you now it wasn't going to work. I told them. And so, so I always have advocated for him. And now at 27, I mean, the intellectual impairments don't change. They're still there. And we also deal with some, some mental health issues. Sometimes we're not sure if it's psychosis or um, behaviors. Mm-hmm. And we deal with it every day. We're, we're fortunate enough to be with a program. However, my, my son needs extra support. So I go back and forth. We go back and forth as a family between Alberta Health Services and Alberta Human Services. And 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 people are like chattel. And uh, and we've had we've had so many things happen. And we're and we're we're as a family trying to reach out and say, okay, we can't we can't do it all alone. We can't. And we do our best. But we need we need support. Well, they have. I've been proving since he was like three that he needs support. Nothing's changed. He didn't wake up and all of a sudden, woo, everything is perfect mm-hmm. because it's not. So it's constant. And then, and even even getting um, a psychiatrist, uh, a year and a half, we've been looking for a, a new psychiatrist <laughs> and, and no one will do anything until we get a new psychiatric assessment. However, Alberta Health Services or Alberta Human Services, they won't put you through to a psychiatrist and your GP, uh, although, you know, when we're fortunate, we have a good GP, he's not comfortable in, in, in necessarily dictating, should my son be on medication? Should he not be on medication? So it, it's, it's awful because, you know, I have, I have a, uh, my son, he's reaching out and asking for help. We're doing everything we can to do it, but um, it's, it's constantly a battle because, because of his intellectual impairments, he can't seem to process that we are doing it <laughs> because he needs instant gratification, doesn't understand that it takes a while, so then we deal with behaviors or psychoses. Yeah, he goes to the hospital, they send him home from the hospital, he, he's on a bridge, they still send him home from the hospital, so it's, it's a tough Tough battle. No, no question. A a number of our texters have pointed out um, that even where there are programs or funding in place for these sort of situations, it's not like going to the store and just taking it up off the shelf. No, like it's like you jump through hoops and, and, you know, and and, uh, you know what, admittedly, I get quite passionate about, about, about what I'm doing, not just for my son, but as a voice for others. And, you know, when I... And sometimes when I call them out on what they're not doing, you know, they get they said that verbal abuse. I said, oh, I, holding you accountable for what you're not doing is not verbal abuse. It's holding you accountable. There's mm-hmm. a difference, right? And and it, it is. You know, and there are some fabulous programs out there, and 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 it's just being able to for the sources to work together. The police don't work with the the hospital. The hospital doesn't work with the the shelter. Like it's. It's really, really different. And and, and the, I think the thing that worries me, that bothers me the most, is that my son will always have our family. We've got a, a, a strong, committed family. And it, and it can be taxing on our family. Like, it, it, it affects your the, the the relationships in your family. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the thing that bothers me the most is that, what about those people that if my son didn't have Hamas, mm-hmm. he would fall through the cracks? So it certainly gives me a different opinion what I thought say 10 years ago of people that I see on the street to who I see now because I bet you a lot of them uh, everyone has their stories but they fall through the system and as humankind 
we're, we're not we're not getting it right <laughs> we really really aren't and and so it and i just think about what, what what happened to that young boy or young girl that didn't have the advocate and didn't have the family supports for whatever reason the family supports weren't there and and we just sort of we we discard people like chattel and i guess i'm coming at this from a really emotional point right now because we're right in now in 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 a really a tough battle with with just you know that my son wakes up every morning and puts his feet on the ground. Mm-hmm. So th- th- there's lots of things to deal with, but I guess then I just used you guys sort of as a forum. No, oh, no, great. Mary, no, no. I'm so glad close. you did yes, that, Mary, because you. you know what? As one parent to another, I, I can't even imagine. I can't even wrap my head around it. And and as a parent of four, do you, do you know what I think about or have thought about since the day the first one was born? I just got to get them to 21. <laughs> you know. <laughs> My shift ends at 21. I just got to make sure I keep them healthy, safe, provide them with opportunity, uh, and get them to 21 and get them prepared for life, and then I'm done. Then they can be out on their right. own. But in, but in a case like you're yeah. describing, you're never done. No, and, and you know, and, and that's all right. You know what? I, I, I'm blessed enough that I can that I'm equipped that I can handle it. But but I do you do need help, and and all I want for my son is is for him to. Um, be happy with who he is and be satisfied that he's not broken. He just is who he is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we just get on with that and, and we do life to the best of our ability. I can't fix him. I can't change him. He is, he is who he is. And, um, and I, I just want him to know that it's okay. It's okay to be that way. And we're here to help him. And, and that's what um, like I, that, that's all I, I think that, in my opinion, that's what we need to work out. Stop with the diagnoses and stop with the, and you having to use the right word to get the right funding. It's, right. it's, um, it's a lot of politics and the B word. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I won't keep you long. Mary, Mary yeah. just uh, thank you for calling in. Yeah. And I just yeah. have to say that despite all the challenges, it sounds like um, you're all very lucky in your family to have each other. Okay, sure. No, I'm just messing. Yeah, we're great. Okay, Mary, take care now. Thank you. Okay, it's 2.45. If you want to give us a shout, 4960063, you can get a hold of us uh, on the phone line or on the text line, 630-630. Okay, uh, 2.50 on the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. A couple more minutes to talk about this, about a mom whose son... um, uh, acted up, I guess, uh, in school, took off. The police found him, took him to the hospital. He was having uh, a tantrum, what she called a tantrum, kicking, screaming. At the hospital, he was restrained. At the hospital, he was given a sedative. Um, and she's really upset about this. Now, the child is waiting to get into a school that can better handle um, what he needs. And so the question then became, we got talking about inclusion and about mm. uh, families, maybe your family who has had to deal with this. And if there's the, the the right amount of services out there for what you and what your child needs. Ray has called. Hey, Ray. Hi. Hi. What's on your yeah, mind, Ray? My, uh, my son, this is a few years back, he's growing up now, but when we went to, when he was going to school out in the country there, uh, he had Tourette syndrome. Yep. And uh, they can be quite a handful to manage. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the school was having problems, and they called me in one day. Uh, he was the the principal and the teachers were terrified of him, and he was what about thirteen at the time. So I came to the school. I could hear him yelling, and as soon as he heard my voice, he quieted right down. <laughs> but um, oh, they weren't going to let him back in school unless I came to class with him and everything else. I said, "Well, hang tough. I got a 
take him into the doctor's office and see what the doctor says. <clears throat> so I went and seen the doctor and with my son and told him what the problem was and that. They offered to uh, send a psychiatric nurse to the school to help them to understand how to uh, look after children like him with Tourette's. Mm-hmm. So that would have been something outside of any kind of government program. That was just your yeah. doctor saying, hey, maybe here's a quick here. solution, right? That that was a nurse volunteering her yeah. time. Yeah. Wow. So I went, I went back to the school and uh, laid this uh, on them, you know. But no, no, we don't need no, we don't need them here. We know how to handle Tourette's kids. And well, that really upset me because if they knew how to handle them, why were they calling me and telling me I had to come to school with him to mm-hmm. control them? Exactly, Ray. Exactly. And, uh, Did the nurse ever go to the school? Well, no, because they didn't want her there. Uh. Hey, Ray, let me ask you a different question. I'm curious. Because another question that's been posed to us by a listener is, do these kids who require special uh, consideration or have special needs, do they even benefit from going to school? So did your son benefit from going to school? Oh, yeah. Like, he done well. They they said he'd never amount to anything, but I got bad news. I sad news for them because he might not have the best job in the world. He went roofing. Mm-hmm. Now he has his own roofing business. So good for him, wow, good for him. Yeah, he's doing really good with it too. Ray, thank you for yep. sharing. Appreciate you giving us a call. Carol's called in as well. Hi, Carol. What's on your mind? Hi. 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 Uh, hi. Sorry, I'm driving, and uh, I wasn't sure if I could keep the radio on or not. No, nope. nope. turn, turn down the radio. Off. Yeah. Okay. I don't have the radio on. Can you hear me? Yes. yes. You bet. Okay. Okay. Great. All I was going to say, I had to chuckle because when Andrew said that when he had his four children, all he was hoping for, that he makes it through till there's 21, and hopefully they're on their own. And I get that, 100%. But I just turned 65, and both of my daughters were married, and we loved their husbands and the whole thing, but they both left. (laughs) So my oldest daughter was left with a two-year-old son that I had to help, you know, mm-hmm. and yep. get to go back to school. And then, you know, like they say, it takes a village to raise a child. Then my other daughter's husband left a few years later, and he doesn't even see the children. <laughs> and he, the, her oldest boy was seven when that happened. And he actually had like a complete nervous breakdown in a child. Mm-hmm. And he was in grade four at that time. <laughs> But severe anxiety and phobias happened and, you know, this talk about mental illness. And that whole year, uh, we tried him in two different schools, uh, one with the public school, one with the, uh, you know, separate school board. And neither one were prepared to help us. You know, it was just not, (laughs) they just don't have, you can't get an aid, you can't. You know, and he would, uh, if we weren't there, I had to go to the school where my daughter tried to, but, you know, she was trying to make a living to support her other son. And uh, so I would do it, and I didn't mind, but it just was so difficult because it, he was very nervous and very anxious the whole time. And this was a kid that had no issues wow. right up until yeah. grade four, you know, with school or you know, a smart kid, but the trauma of daddy leaving and not seeing him anymore just threw him over the edge. And uh, 
it was a horrendous year. I don't think I would ever want to go through it. The Carol? Good news is, yeah. Yes. No, go ahead. The truth is? I just met. The good news is he is 13 now, and uh, he's doing very well. He's uh, functioning. Uh, he still has issues with anxiety, but he's able to work them out. That he is, is on good medication, news. a mild amount of medication to help him with his anxiety. And... Uh, but he's functioning. He isn't going to a regular school. He does the online schooling, and yep. uh, he also goes to, uh, he's in grade eight. Awesome. And he has to, yeah, he goes in-house schooling as well. So, and then, Carol, I, I've got to wrap you up there because I'm up against um, sure. some news here, but I want to thank you for giving us a shout and telling us your family stories. Much appreciated. Uh, 4960063630630. Looks like we'll continue the conversation after the 3 o'clock news. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.